Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. So by God's grace, um, I just thought this evening we'll continue from where we stopped the last time we met. You know, if you remember, we've been looking at that scripture in Romans chapter 12. And the main point of our study was not being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, according to Romans 12. And I remember we highlighted that one of the divine instruments God uses to transform our minds, transform our hearts, is his word. And we were gradually looking at the characteristics, or should I say the nature of God's word. So we looked at it as a fire. That was one of our studies. That the word of God comes in to burn the chaff in our lives. The word of God comes in to cut and remove those impurities in our hearts. And by God's grace, I just thought it's good to look at the word of God from the point of view of the fact that you cannot live without it. The same way you look at food. One of the important things about food is that it gives you energy, it gives you nutrients, it sustains you. And we want to look at the word of God. How does the word of God, how is it that the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We want to look at the word of God as bread. So I just thought it's important we establish that from scripture. I know we've read it before, but let us, it's good to, um, it's good to expound on it afresh. So let's just go to Deuteronomy to read that scripture. We are going to study it together. Deuteronomy chapter 8. That was the first place in scripture. Deuteronomy 8. So, I'll read it from verse 2 and then 2 and 3. And we use that as a basis to build on this study. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. Let me read it. It says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way this 40 years. Um, so the Bible says from verse 2 of Deuteronomy 8, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know 
what was in your heart, whether you sh- would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, so that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. We want to, by God's grace, study those scriptures. And I'm trusting that God will give us fresh insight to keep us going on our Christian journey. So, this was the Lord talking to the children of Israel in the wilderness. The same way God is talking to us now as we continue in our journey. To heaven. So, the Bible is saying, or should I say, God in His mercy wants us to appreciate that on this journey of life, on this journey of or should I call it our sojourn, our journey to heaven, we cannot but feed and get nourishment and get strength for the journey without the word of God. And God passed through, had to go through a process to bring the children of Israel to a point to understand this. And that's all we want to study. So, look at it. Yeah, welcome this Salido family. Look at what the Bible is saying in verse 2. So, we are looking at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. The Bible says, You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Beloved brethren, God has not stopped leading us. Our God is merciful. Despite all the terrible things happening in the world, you can call the world a wilderness. But the Bible is saying, the way the children of Israel were led in the wilderness, God has not stopped leading his people. He will still lead us. And because he's a faithful God, he will continue to lead us. So the Bible is saying, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you. And I'm praying that we too should also remember. God has not stopped leading his people. My prayer is that we should all respond to his direction, to his leading. That's the prayer now. The same way God led the children of Israel in the wilderness, God has not stopped leading his people, even in this generation. What, what was the passage? Uh, uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We are studying verse 2 and 3. So, we said God has not stopped leading his people. Yes, Kevin. 
I mean, I just sort of wanted to point out about how we, we talk. We talk about how we give God the glory for all his provision. But in, in here in Exodus, he had to literally take away everything so that when he provided it, there was no doubt. There was no doubt that the food, manna, you know, the quails, all that he provided and obviously in a very special way as well. Yes. But it, but because we, we work and we earn money and we buy food and we go down the shops and we do all these things and we, we pass our exams and we do all this stuff. We think it's us. Mm. Yeah. And we take the glory from God. Mm. And, um, I, I think it's such a, such a, I wouldn't even call it a lesson. It's such a, it's such a hard thing to accept. Because we like to believe that it was our hard work, it was our intelligence, it was our study, it was our this, it was our that. Mm. But, you know, God took away all that from him so that there was no doubt. And uh, they still, they still rebelled. <laughs> but there was, you know, he didn't give any room for doubt. Mm. I think for us these days, it would be more um, things that we couldn't do for ourselves. So, you know, because we pray every time, if we didn't feel the need for God, we probably wouldn't pray sincerely, would we? So we we don't tend to pray for, for our food now. You know, like you said, we can always get something. Um, and even those who don't have will go to a food bank and, and are able to get. But, you know, things like peace of mind, things like wisdom, things that you just cannot do. You know, again, because personally, I, I do realize my need for God. You know, all the in in all aspects. Maybe not in for physical food now, but even with that, we can be thankful, I suppose, for the food, um, and not and try not to take it for granted. But I remember, I, you know, I know that when I every day when I go to work, it's oh, it's a struggle. It's, it's almost like a spiritual struggle because you don't know who's coming. You don't know what they've got. You don't know if you're going to say something that would um, annoy someone. You don't know if you're going to miss something. And so I always just almost prostrate at my desk every morning. I say, God, please give me wisdom, you know, see me through this day. And... um even though, well, you can say I'm an experienced GP now after 10 years of practice, but it's hard to get used to. So, I some think, things, yeah. I think, you know, like I was trying to highlight in that verse too, when we fail to remember that the Lord is in charge of our lives and we are not in charge of our own lives. When we don't remember, because God goes, um, does everything to make us remember. I was, I was reminded of, um, is it in all things, by prayer, prayer and supplication, make your uh, request known to God. That verse. But I was also thinking of Amos 4. Do you know Amos 4? Amos 4. Amos 4. The reason about Amos 4 is that um, 
uh, come to Bethel and uh, uh, bring your sacrifices every morning. Your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, uh, basically, basically, um, basically, uh, God is everything, and they just don't return to Him. But when um, um, I also withheld rain from you when there was still three months to the harvest, mm-hmm. I made it rain on one city. I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon. And whereupon it did not rain the part. So two cities wanted to another city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I blasted you, I blasted you with blight and mildew when your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, and your locusts and olive trees. The locusts devoured them. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I sent among you a plague after the manner of Egypt. Your young men I killed with the sword, along with your captive. I made the stench of your camps come on, um, into your nostrils, yet you have not returned to me, saith the Lord. As I, as I overthrew some of you, as God overthrew some of Gomorrah, as you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning, yet you have not returned to me, saith the Lord. Therefore thus will I do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, so prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Let's see. Yeah. Do you, do you know that passage? Yes, I I I know. In fact, <laughs> that verse twelve: "Prepare to meet your God, O Israel." Yeah. I will never forget when one of the pastors in our local church in Nigeria preached on that message. Yeah, preached on that scripture, and it was like judgment was coming. It, it, it's not just it's most almost like mercy. God is giving them chance after chance after chance, but yeah. it's like it's just not turning. Mm. Back. the things we all need chances we all need to we all need to, as it says is grace and mercy is new every morning yes because the thing is is it judgment is mixed with mercy is it because when the when the pharisees are trying to kind of condemn Jesus says that judgment is mixed with, with mercy it says in your judgment remember mercy yeah. yes you know so I'm trusting that God will help us, that we will remember. When we don't remember, we go astray. When we don't remember, we lose sight of God's hand upon our lives. And I think it's important to guide that consciousness all the time. You know? And, you know, in that verse 2, sorry, I, I, I was taking us back to verse 2 because I was just trying to build up up to verse 3. And the Bible was saying, he led you, remember that the Lord led you all the way these 40 years in wilderness to humble you. (laughs) The reason why God is leading you and me is so that we will always be humble under his hand. Let's not think that God is trying to make me and you self-sufficient. No. God wants us to forever depend on him that we always be subservient to him. Anytime the children of Israel thought they were on their own and they could do things themselves, they always missed the mark. So the reason for God leading you and me is not so that we become experts. It's so that we will continue to remain humble. That's the first issue there. And part of God leading me and you is so that me and you can always be examined. He said to humble you and to test you 
to know what is in your heart, whether you will keep his commandment or not. God's leading. Do you know when you think about this scripture, at times God leads you in a path that you yourself don't want to take. He wants you to take that road, but because you are self-sufficient and you have a self-will, you can decide and say, God, I'm doing this my own way. And that is the law, testing and checking. Is this guy going to follow me or is he not going to follow me? And that test comes all the time. None of us will ever graduate from it as long as we're on this side of eternity. It's like the book of Job, uh, Brother George. You know, yeah. you can you can see everything in the book of Job there. So whatever happens to your life, you know, you can you can relate. You've lost uh, quite a lot financially. A loved one um, died, and you know, friends, family. Uh, you you can you can relate to the book of Job. That's why. Um, if you are thinking about it, there's no excuse really, isn't it? Mm. That's true. And the question is, can we always remain humble before under the mighty hand of God? As human beings, at times, I find myself relying on experience, relying on, oh, I've done it before, it will be okay. You know, I was going to operate on a patient yesterday. And that's, you know, that's why when you are saying the issue of praying all the time, you don't know what you are going to meet. So they admitted a patient who was drunk and he stepped on glass and cut the tendons in his foot, on his, on his sole of his foot. So I wasn't the one that admitted the patient. So they were handing over to me so that I can operate on him. And the way they presented it, oh, it's just a small cut. Um, just wash the wound and suture it. That's what I was going to do. So I got in there. Lo and behold, he had cut his tendon right through. So when I was examining him before the surgery, he couldn't, he, he could barely bend his, his big toe. And he was telling me that, oh, I could do it before. I could do it before. So in my head, I assumed that, oh, it's just the skin and the tissue. And it will be fine. And before I, before I started the procedure, I, I remember, I, you know, I was having a light. I ah, this will be quick. This will be quick. In my heart, it was as if the Lord said, who told you to be quick? You are better pray. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, <laughs> Who told you to be quick? You are better pray. And immediately, I just remember, just jolted myself, Lord, I commit this procedure into your hands. I just asked that you direct me. And I just said, I was, I was washing the wound. I just said, okay, let me just, let me just, um, let me just look properly. And as I looked, I just saw the tendon. It was cut. So I have to tell the anesthetist, I'm sorry, this is not going to be a quick procedure. I have to settle down and repair the tendon. You know, so it's always good for us, even when we think something is easy. We've done it before. There's no problem. I will just go go ahead and do it again. Let's always remain humble and call on God for direction, for help, for his inspiration. 
no matter what it is. No matter what it is. If it's a job we do, of course, we have done it countless times. There's nothing wrong in saying, God, I know I'm used to this, but have your way. I hand over everything to you. And God is faithful. I think God wants us to always depend on him. Let us never outgrow our dependence on God. So, that leads us to verse 3, which Kevin has already started highlighting for us. The Bible said, so he humbled you. And look at God's instrument in humbling a man. He allowed you to be hungry. He allowed you to hunger. At times, when God wants to humble us, he withdraws some necessary provisions we normally will have. He withdraws it. So he allows some of your prayers to go unanswered. And there's a reason why he's doing this. It's so that he can keep you humble at all times. Excuse me. Supposing all the time, every time you pray, your answer comes. In fact, you don't even need to pray much. You just say, God, I just need this job. And the job comes. Supposing that was your life, do you know to get to a stage, you won't pray again? You, you, all you just need to think is, oh, I just want this job. You, you just want it. It's a wish. And you expect the wish. And you will translate a wish to prayer. That's why we need to remain humble all the time. Always go cap in hand to God. Let us be like, um, you know, I pray God will grant us understanding. You know, let us always know that we are not going to be burdensome to God when we rely totally on him. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Do you see what God is telling us to do in Proverbs chapter 3? Verse 5 and 6. He's saying we should trust in the Lord with all our hearts because we have a tendency to depend on our own understanding. Our own way of doing things. We have the tendency to depend on it. And the Bible is saying, let that not be your foundation, your dependency. Trust in God with all your heart. The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. In everything, Every aspect of our lives, both the difficult and the simple aspect of our lives, both the conversant and the strange aspects of our lives, we must acknowledge God, make Him revere Him. Let us know that He's there. Sorry, let we must know that God is there and is part of our lives. We need to pray that God will make us appreciate that God is closer to us than the air we breathe. Let's not think God is in heaven. Oh, he's in heaven. He's far away. No, he's actually there. I know we have that mentality that God is far away in heaven. So if he wants to, if he wants to, 
um, do something. He will travel a long distance. <laughs> he will come all the way. By the time he gets to you, you'll be tired. And say, yes, my daughter, my son, what do you want? I'm going back to heaven now. It's very far. No. God is there. He feels everywhere. Is is the the Bible says is the very present help in the time of need. What happened, George? For uh, some people, you know, uh, they pray to God, mm-hmm. but yes, they pray. They present their uh, request, their desire, but at the back of their mind, they are thinking about the solution of the problem. Yes. Like you remember when some of the Hebrews, when God has sent manna. Some, they were thinking, oh, I need to gather more so that we will have, you know, Uh, uh, manna to eat the following day. So they are not thinking about God's instruction, isn't it? But that's Mm -hmm. what Asahem mentioned. Some people, yes, they commit everything unto God. But at times, you know, uh, they they limit what God can do or or how God will answer uh, one's prayer. But remember, in Isaiah said, my ways are higher than your ways. And um, what's the other one? Uh, uh, my thoughts. Yeah. My, my thoughts are, are higher, are than higher and far above than your yeah. thoughts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because that's what um, most of the time Christians are doing, isn't it? They pray. But isn't it? When you pray, leave it unto the hand of God and let God will work within us and then we just need to depend on him fully we just need to uh entrust everything that that's the time that we surrender lord i cannot do anything with my problem i cannot do anything with my health it's in your hands mm-hmm. but as i have mentioned they try still to solve their own problem so that means they are limiting what god can do to their lives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. May God help us. Because this issue of de- depending on God, we've, we are faulty on it on several locations. Because we have alternatives. We have, many alter- we have many alternatives. You know, people can do a lot without God, can't mm. they? There's so many things, especially in the developed world. Um, there's so much. That can be done in it. Not talking about robotic operations, you know. Uh, and so praying for healing is just like, well, okay, God's there, but but I'm going to we be, know what we know what what are we, we know doing? who is actually doing the work, but it's not because the robot can fail, the doctor can fail, the wound might not heal. You know, complications yeah, happen exactly. in surgery. So so there's always. There are many ways that God is greater and we do need to depend on him even if we have all the technology. You know, so. there was a time a patient was asking me, I think the patient had a wound infection. I said, doctor, but why did I have a wound infection? You know, the way she asked me, it was like, I, I should not have a wound infection. Why did I have it? And I said, Honestly, I do. In fact, I remember this was how I put my hands up. I said, 
I don't know. Oh, I'm not meant to have a move. But I, I remember. See, we, we were careful. We used all the time. Everything. Yes, that's what she, she was on antibiotics. We gave antibiotics before surgery. After surgery, she still had, a wound. She still had an infection. So I said, I don't know. These things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so is that, like you said, we must not, it's because of the alternatives. And that's why the Bible is challenging our hearts that we should acknowledge God, trust him with all our hearts and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Actually, God wants to direct us. But the problem, like Nick has said, if we don't acknowledge him, we don't give him room to direct us. We don't give him room. And that's why we must pray for ourselves. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a very deep and serious prayer. When you pray and you say, God, remove all my confidence so that I can rely on you. It's a serious prayer to pray. But actually, I've discovered personally that when you rely on God, God actually steps up to help you. But the problem is, you see, we don't always do it. It's not a lifestyle. We always have at the back of our mind a quiet security saying, if this fails, I will do this. But actually, God wants us to live depending on him all the time. We must never outgrow it. That's the issue. The day we outgrow it, we will stop enjoying God's grace. And honestly, all we need in this world is his grace. We don't need goods. We just need grace. We don't need gold. We just need grace. Honestly. Grace provides all those things. So God was telling the children of Israel, he humbled them. He said, I humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. Do you see? Do you see God? God still wanted to remove their dependency so that even what he was going to use to feed them, they did not know it. So that they will not suddenly develop a a confidence in that provision of God without God. You see, you notice the children of Israel, because God was trying to teach them how to depend on him and on his word, they went and were gathered. God told them, gather this manna only for your use. But what were they doing? They were guarding excess and storing it. That is the typical human being mentality. I need to take control of my future. So this manner, I have to pack as much as I can pack so that in the next 10 years, I'll have enough. But that's not the way of depending on God. God was still trying to teach them those principles. And God is still using that to teach us. That it's not until you have a store of money in one bank account, stashed somewhere. We have to understand that God is ready to provide your needs as they come up. You, you don't have to have millions in your account before God can provide. 
and you just wake up and say, yes, after all, I have billions there. No. When the need arises, God can provide you. But you see, the mentality is, let me go and gather, let me go and gather. I don't know what will happen for my future. You know, that was the mentality of the rich man, the rich fool. Do you remember? The rich fool. The Bible said, a certain man, a certain rich man, his ground, his farm produced plenty. And what did he do? The Bible said, he looked at everything, looked at his harvest and said, yes, I will provide a lot of storehouses for my crops. And then look at what he said. He said, I will tell myself, also, relax. I have enough to last me for years. That is a soul that wants to be independent of God. We mustn't be like that soul. That's why the Bible called him the rich fool. He was rich, but a fool. And remember, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's what makes him a fool. The definition of a fool, spiritual fool, is not that he's stupid in that sense. It's just that he has removed God from the equation in his life. And we must not become be like that fool. Whereby we are living life and we have removed God. We have not acknowledged him. There was nothing he said, that rich fool. There was nothing he said he made reference to God about. The Bible said his ground produced plenty. He, he got big profits that year. And he never thought that it was God that provided that profit. So I must not look at my work and say it's because I'm hardworking. That's why I'm successful. The world will teach you to do that. We teach us to do that. But we should know deep in our hearts that is the blessings of God. When we acknowledge God in everything we do, he lifts us up. So God had to come to the rich fool and tell him, Oh fool, this night, your soul will be required of you. This night. Can you imagine? The man was planning for the next 20 years. He did not know that that night will be the end of his life. It's very interesting. And we too we must be careful. The wisdom of God is walk with God every day of your life. Don't plan your life as if there's no God. That's what the rich fool was doing. He said, I will be, build bands. I will do this. I will do that. He never mentioned God. And God told him, that night, your soul will be required of you. And the next question was, whose shall be all these things you have stored up? Who's, who will be the owner? You are planning for 20 years. You are planning for 30 years. Without me, reference to me, reference to my direction, reference to my will. You plan all that. And God is saying, all these things you are planning, who, shall, who, who will take over it? So, beloved brethren, let's be challenged. 
we cannot afford to be like that rich fool. We cannot afford it. We will not go far. We will just end up frustrated. So, that scripture is obvious. God fed them with manna, which they did not know, nor their fathers knew. And manna, that word manna, M-A-N-N-A, means, what is this? That's meaning of manna. Because they didn't know what it was. The Bible described it for us. Like coriander and sweet like honey. They didn't actually know what it was. That's why, because they didn't know what it was, when God told them, don't store it. Those that stored it, they woke up and found maggots the next day. (laughs) Do you see? And honestly, that's a deep lesson to my heart. That if I do not obey God and rely on his word as per my daily life, what I think I'm storing will become useless to me. Every word of God that you do not apply to your life, it becomes useless to you. Can you imagine? Manna that they thought they could eat the next morning. Guess what? Look at what it's turned into. Maggots. That is the most awful thing. Can you imagine? You thought you were going to eat manna and you opened your cooking, your pot and the next thing is maggots. How do you feel? It's very terrible, is it? In fact, you don't, you, you don't want to eat for the next two days. <laughs> but that is what happens when we do not use the provision of God that he asks us to use. It suddenly becomes useless. That's why I'm very careful about the word of God that comes to my life, that is meant to nourish me, that is meant to put me on the right path. If you do not grab it and use it properly, it becomes useless to you. It becomes an offense. Can you imagine? Manna that should be food suddenly became maggot. Terrible. And may the word of God not become an offense to you and me. So we see there that God fed them with manna. And look at the reason. So that he may make them know, he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. That is another thinking we must be transformed from. We must be transformed in our hearts that our life does not depend on bread. It does not depend on physical bread. Your life and my life does not depend or is not run by the physical. That's what God was trying to teach the children of Israel in the wilderness. He says, man shall not live by bread alone. If you look at the world today, a lot of people are living by bread alone. 
their life is run by the physical. But God wants us not to think that way. Our lives does not depend on the physical. It doesn't depend on physical bread. It doesn't depend on the amount of money you have in your account. It doesn't depend, the constituents of your life doesn't depend on how flourishing, how promising your job is. Look at what Jesus said. He said, what what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Do you see the words Jesus used? Profit. When you think the world, gaining the whole world is profit. The Bible is saying, even if you have the whole world and your soul is lost, you are the greatest loser around The eternity where your soul is going is far more important than anything the whole world can give you. We need to take it to heart. Now, if if I become the greatest billionaire now, eh, and I can be in my private jet flying and doing this Bible study, And everything is just swimmingly nice for me. And I lose my soul. It's better not to be born, honestly. It's a great loss. That your soul is not secure with God is a great loss. That's what the Bible is teaching us. So when God is saying, man shall not live by bread alone, he wants us to understand it. He wants us to have that imprinted and stamped on your heart and on my heart. And look at how man should live. He said, but man lives by every word. Every. Not some words. Not only the old, not only the New Testament, including the Old Testament. Every word. And that every word comes from God, that proceeds from the mouth of God. Very important. The word that comes from the mouth of God is what we should live by. We shouldn't live by psychology. Eh? Human wisdom. That's not what God is telling us to live by. Psychologists will tell you, be positive. Tell yourself, I am a conqueror. Actually, heard, um, yeah. you know, uh, most people, you know, with all this Sojak sign, they they read every single day. Like uh, when I visited a patient uh, at Watford Hospital, and then the first thing he asked me is, "What's your Sojak sign?" <laughs> oh, and you know, and then oh, so uh, he will read. The subject the sign, yes. so you're not like that. You know, they depend on all this. Instead of depending on God, you know what I mean? Why not uh, depend on God and not just all these subject signs? Yeah, that's the world. They say, oh, what are you? Oh, I'm Taros. So that means you will have a lovely day. <laughs> oh, what are you? I'm Gemini. That means your sun will shine today. Excuse me. Sun is going to shine on everybody. <laughs> 
Sun will shine. You know, people believe in all those things. And they, they live their life based on it. Somebody annoys them in their place of work and they are offended. They say, oh, I, I, I'm Sagittarius because today the, 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 the region is, today you'll be annoyed, but don't be overcome. What's all that? Psychology. That's human wisdom. We need to be careful. We must not allow, we must not live by those things. Somebody will tell you, oh, what's your personality? Oh, I am, I am an extrovert. So as an extrovert, you know, this is how I should live my life. Excuse me. Is that what the Bible says? Is that what the word of God says? It's not. So man shall not live by, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. That's why, beloved brethren, let's keep investing in every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's invest in it. It's a great treasure to invest in. That we invest in what God says. I can imagine how people, you know, people we, we travel far and wide to go and listen to one guy who is going to tell you things that have no eternal value. People invest. They invest time, energy, in the words of people. And what they are hearing has no eternal basis at all. You know, so that's why we don't have an option, beloved brethren. We need to invest in the truth of God's word because that is what will sustain us. That is what will give us life. Not only in this on this earth, but this is what we give us an eternity, an inheritance with God. Paul was telling the brethren in Ephesus, in Acts chapter 20, he said, I commit you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who will be sanctified. That's the word of God. The word of God Last forever. The word of God does not perish. It lasts forever. The word of God is ever sustaining. From generation to generation. If Christ studies in the next hundred years. It's still the same word of God. That will give us victory. Even if we are in a different generation. It's the same word of God. It hasn't changed. So, beloved brethren, can God help us to renew our hearts afresh in this investment? Can God enlarge your heart and my heart so that we can give more time to investing in every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord? Can we, can we invest our hearts and our thoughts in getting the true word of God that comes from his mouth. 
And that's the prayer that God will help us do this. So I will stop here. Come and join Pastor George's Bible study at 8 p.m. 